You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Sarah Payne, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, Caroline Grass and Joshua Pantano tell us about the Seneca Meadows landfill and the first of a two-part story of the landfill's environmental and political implications. But first, we have Blake Matthews and Liam McDermott with Community Beat and Jordan Broking with this week's Politics Beat. The Ithaca Tompkins International Airport has been struggling lately, and a 2022 survey shows just how much the airport has been struggling. Airport Director Roxanne Noble, along with Deputy Director Josh Nally, an economic development and airport consultant with the Empire Aviation Matthew Colbert presented the results this week, which shows that people are opting to drive to Syracuse or to JFK Airport in New York City to catch a direct flight to their destination instead of having to connect to JFK or Newark. In response to this, the airport laid out its two main priorities for this year, which is to focus on adding west and southbound flights, as well as to offer lower fares. The airport says that they hope to see some positive signs of rebounding before the end of the year. A Tompkins County doctor has agreed to pay over $70,000 to resolve allegations that he and his medical practice had prescribed controlled substances for non-legitimate medical purposes and caused false medical claims to be submitted to Medicare. Under state law, controlled substances may only be used for a legitimate medical purpose by an individual practitioner acting in the usual course of a professional practice and regulate the dosage. For prescription costs to be reimbursed by Medicare, prescriptions must be medically necessary and be in line with state and federal law. Dr. Howard Sokoff admitted to prescribing 35 morphine pills a day and a benzodiazepine to a patient that was found out to be using cocaine. Dr. Sokoff admitted to continuing the prescriptions for morphine and the benzodiazepine for more than 17 months despite being aware of the cocaine usage. A new pork shop has opened up in, in Ithaca. Devon in Ithaca. Devin Van Noble has opened the pork shop in the DeWitt Mall. Van Noble says that he has been raising pigs for years and plans to sell them at his store. The opening of the new store comes as the famous pig butcher, the Piggery, shut its doors in 2021, leaving pork lovers in Ithaca having to find a new place to buy their pork chops. Van Noble says that although his store is not the Piggery, he hopes to provide his customers with the best pork possible. Cinemopolis will be offering a free movie day this week. On Saturday, March 18th, anyone who comes to the theater will receive a free movie ticket to the film of their choosing. Concessions, including popcorn and brownies, will also be available for purchase. Free Movie Day will also allow moviegoers to meet the new executive director of Cinemopolis, Kate Donohue. As of right now, buses to places such as New York City or Boston usually pick up on Seneca Street in front of the parking garage. This, however, may change, though, as local officials are considering building a new bus hub. This comes after Ithaca's old bus hub in the West End shut down in 2018, leaving inner-city buses having to share the Seneca bus stop with TCAP buses. The new proposal comes as city officials are also looking to renovate the Seneca Street parking garage. Officials say that the plan would be to build the transportation hub into the parking garage. There is no word yet on when or if this project will begin. Celebrating a donation received by the United Way of Tompkins County Youth and Philanthropy Program and the Triad Foundation, the Ithaca Free Clinic will be able to enhance their integrative health services. 
Specifically, the donation will allow the clinic to introduce an acupuncture and massage table. The IFC hopes to make this upgrade more accessible to the community and introduce several new services available through appointments. In addition, the IFC has recently expanded their hours to include Tuesdays from 4 to 7 p.m. For Liam McDermott, I'm Blake Matthews. This is your weekly politics beat. I'm Jordan Broking. The race for common council got water this week as numerous Ithacans threw their hats into the ring. Current 5th Ward Alderperson Chris Haynes Sharp announced she would run for a two-year term for a newly drawn 2nd Ward seat. Haynes Sharp joined the council last month after being appointed by Mayor Laura Lewis to fill her vacancy. The race looks to be contested as Arielle Jackson announced on Tuesday that she is also running for the same spot. Meanwhile, Alderperson Duncan Union announced he would also run again for the four-year seat to represent the 2nd Ward but this would be his last term if elected. Additionally, two Cornell students announced their campaigns for seats on the council. Doctorate student Pierre St. Perez is running for the two-year third ward seat, while freshman Clyde Lederman is running to represent the fifth ward for a two-year term. Following a public hearing on Wednesday, police reform recommendations are set to move forward. A special committee for the reimagining public safety plan released a draft of proposals last week to the Common Council and Ithaca community. Some of the recommendations for reform include introducing a small group of unarmed responders to accompany police officers for certain crimes, creating a deputy city manager position to overlook the police department, and hiring more police officers to the force. No further responses from the public have been made thus far, but a second community hearing could take place to gather further thoughts on the process and proposals. Community members are pushing the Common Council to pressure representatives in the State Assembly to pass good cause legislation. The Appellate Division of the State Supreme Court ruled earlier this month that this form of legislation can only be passed by state law, blocking municipalities from passing their own. This comes after the Ithaca good cause legislation was stalled for over a year, as the city waited to hear back from the Attorney General regarding if such law could preempt state rental laws. While the legislation has not been passed thus far, similar protections are being considered by the Common Council under the Emergency Tenant Protection Act. The Department of Public Works Union approved a new contract with the City of Ithaca. After months of deliberation and numerous meetings with the Common Council, the contract is set to focus on recruiting and retaining employees while also addressing the issue of low morale. One of the reasons behind the low morale was pay, which under this new agreement will raise from 17 to 18 percent. The new contract will remain in place until December 31st of 2025. For Ithaca Now, I'm Jordan Broking. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Sarah Payne. For 70 years, the Seneca Meadows landfill has taken in trash from New York and the surrounding states. For years, activists have sought to close the landfill, but shutdown dates have continuously been pushed back. WICB News correspondents Caroline Grass and Joshua Pantano set out to learn more about the landfill and the fight to close it. This is the first of a two-part series. Seneca Falls is a beautiful town. 
It's a beautiful area. sits on the uh, Canal Way and very close to two major Finger Lakes, Seneca, and Cuba Lakes. It's a beautiful old historic mill town that has a lot of history that gives uh, Seneca Falls a lot of opportunities. There's the Women's Rights National Visitor Center. There's the Women's Hall of Fame. But it also is the home of the largest active plant building in the Northeast. Although Seneca Falls is a small community that attracts thousands every year to wineries and the rich history of the area, a landfill has been the source of many complaints regarding odor, environmental, and human health concerns. Seneca Meadows Landfill opened in 1983 and spans nearly 400 acres, the equivalent of roughly 300 football fields. The landfill is permitted to receive thousands of tons of waste each day from New York, particularly New York City, as well as New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. Barb Reese, physics teacher at Minders Academy in the Seneca Falls Central School District, moved to the area in 2000 and explained how the landfill has grown. When I first moved here, it wasn't it wasn't as noticeable as it is now. It It's grown. It, it actually grows at the rate of 6,000 tons of trash per day. And so each year, that's like 2.2 million tons of trash. So in the time that we've been here, it's, it's an eyesore. And it's something that you smell almost daily. In 2015, Seneca Meadows Landfill and the New York City Department of Sanitation agreed on a $3.3 billion contract for Seneca Meadows to handle up to 2,500 tons of waste from the city daily. The contract, which is planned to last for 20 years, would go beyond Seneca Meadows' expected closing date of 2025. The landfill was originally set to close in 2009, but negotiated to extend its operations until 2025. Then, Seneca Meadows filed a Valley Infill expansion plan in 2020 that would keep the landfill open an additional 15 years, until 2040. The Department of Environmental Conservation, also known as the DEC, is reviewing the expansion plan. According to a DEC notice, 47 acres of new landfill liner and roughly 144 acres of overfilling operations would be added. The proposal plans to fill the area in the middle of the landfill, which is the Tantalo Inactive Hazardous Waste Disposal Site. Seneca Falls Town Board member Steve Churchill explained the history of the Tantalo site. It's a toxic landfill, really. It was a landfill that was originated in the mid-50s and uh, had zero regulation. So you can imagine what kind of 55-gallon drums of whatever were dumped into that landfill, which was unlined. That wasn't a requirement back there. No liner. You dump it in. And so currently that's sitting right between the cells that define the landfill today. And they propose to fill between those, you know, in that U, um, on top of the old Tantello landfill. They want to put 370 feet of new garbage to essentially create one huge mountain of garbage. Due to remediation efforts from Seneca Meadows, the DEC determined that the inactive site was no longer a significant threat to public health or the environment in 2010. The expansion plan and accompanying public comments are being reviewed by the DEC. Yvonne Taylor, co-founder of Seneca Lake Guardian, which is an environmental activist group, explained what the review process might look like. They can take as long as they want to to review the comments that we just submitted and take their time revising the uh, environmental impact statement. Probably going to be a lengthy, drawn-out process. And you know what? That's okay. 
because that gives us more time to keep educating and informing and mobilizing the citizenry and, and you know, come up with more documentation and evidence of harm that we can help supplement the Department of Environmental Conservation in making the right decision. The landfill has been a point of contention in the area for years, but Reese explained how the expansion proposal has further divided the town. I think it has, it does divide the town. It's hard. I think, I think that, you know, there are some of us that want it to close. We feel we don't like smelling the odor. We don't like that, you know, the presence of it um, and the size. And the thing that's so upsetting is that, Every time there's an expansion, it always seems like, oh, this is going to be the last time they expand. But it never is because, you know, seven to 10 years down the line, there's another expansion. And so we just keep, you know, some people think, oh, they'll eventually close. I don't know that they're ever going to close because they haven't shown any signs of stopping yet. But I, I don't like that when I, when I go out of town on vacation, the first thing I know that I'm back is that I can smell I'm home because I can smell the landfill. Reese mentions the host community agreement, which signed in 2007, describes the allowances and restrictions for the landfill, as well as providing monetary compensation to the town for the potentially negative effects on the community caused by its presence. Seneca Meadows pays an annual fee of roughly $3.2 million to the town in accordance with the host community agreement. The money is then used for public resources and infrastructure. For example, in 2022, the Seneca Falls Fire Department received a $15,000 donation from the landfill as part of the host community agreement. The town is the biggest addict. Currently, we receive you know, approximately $3 million a year. And I mean, that's the only reason it's here. If there was no money flowing, um, it would not be here. There is no other industry in this area that has to pay to be in existence. Churchill has been active in local politics in Seneca Falls and the county since 2010. He served on the Seneca County Board of Supervisors and chaired the Environmental Affairs Committee. Churchill sits as the lone Democrat on the town board and opposes the expansion of the landfill. I'm very active in a lot of the environmental fights around the region and continue to be. In 2021, there was a new election and two of those board members uh, weren't re-elected, my two compadres, so I'm kind of left alone, and the other four members of the board essentially are working to renegotiate, you know, terms for the new host benefit agreement to allow the landfill to go on potentially beyond 2025. In December of 2016, the Seneca Falls Town Board voted 4-1 to one to approve Local Law 3, which is the law that says Seneca Meadows has to close by December of 2025. Five years later, in November of 2021, Seneca Meadows' parent company, Waste Connections, wrote a $200,000 check for an advocacy group called Responsible Solutions for New York. The group used the money to fund a public relations campaign independent of the candidates' campaigns. The group sent mailers that suggested that the closure of the landfill would lead to increased property taxes and encouraged voters to elect Republican candidates Frank Sinecropi and Caitlin Laskowski to the town board. If you could see the propaganda that the landfill puts out, when it comes election time, they put out glossy flyers. They put them out all the time. They're on the back of calendars. They're, they put out these glossy flyers and get in the mail, especially around uh, election, the election cycle. They scare the crap out of people. 
you know, they, they talk about 700% tax increases, the land and verticals, and on and on and on. And it, it, a lot of it's lies. It, it's not truthful. It's a misrepresentation of the facts. Sinekropi and Laskowski then went on to beat incumbent Democrats Doug Avery and David DeLalis, who both opposed the landfill expansion. The $200,000 check from Waste Connections exceeded the total combined campaign contributions of the other candidates, which was less than $5,000. Whenever there's like an election, it seems like you're either for or against the, the landfill. They put a lot of money into making sure that their candidates win the election here at Seneca Falls Town Board. And so it's very troubling that that they have control over the town that way. So, of course, I'm on the side that feels this way. There are others in the town who do not feel this way. And and they, they like the presence of the landfill because they like that we get a host community agreement and some money into our town. In 2018, Seneca Meadows Landfill proposed increasing the annual benefits of the host community agreement to $5 million, $1.8 million more than the current amount. However, the town board did not pass the proposal. In 2022, Churchill said that the now-majority pro-landfill board considered renegotiating the agreement to grant the landfill's expansion and increase the compensation the town would receive. They are currently in the process, I'm not part of it, of renegotiating a new host benefit agreement, which also terminates at the end of 2025. You know, because their their attitude is, look, we we should be getting, the the problem, the real problem here is that we should be getting more money from it. To which I respond, well, if we can't get ourselves, we can't break our $3 million addiction, how are we ever going to break a $10 million addiction? Some community members have expressed their discontent with the expansion proposal, such as Rich Swinehart, CEO of Waterloo Container, a bottling company across the street from Seneca Meadows Landfill. It's going to continue to get worse if they get the approval for another 15 years and seven stories higher, because each time that they wanted to expand, there was an environmental review done by the DEC. And so it's one thing to say, okay, a small landfill is going to do this, and if they grow this big, it's going to have this you know, effect on the environment. But what happens when it doubles and it quadruples and it keeps going? Where's your formula as to what effect it's going to be on the environment? Is that going to quadruple too, the negative effects? Complaints about the landfill's odor, appearance, and potential health impacts are major concerns. Jenna Mole, an employee at a boutique in Seneca, said the bad smell is consistent. Certain people will probably tell you that they've helped financially the town. Um, I focus more on the health stuff and what it's doing and the smell. The smell is terrible, especially in the summer. You like walk out of any business or your house and usually you'll smell it. So it's kind of gnarly. Seneca Meadows Landfill has made attempts in the past to challenge constraints on their expansion, such as Local Law 3. The landfill sued the town of Seneca Falls, challenging the law in February of 2017, but withdrew the case later that year. Shortly after, the town board voted to rescind Local Law 3, but the board action was thrown out by the court in September of 2017, thereby reinstating the law. Now, Seneca Meadows is in current litigation against the town of Seneca Falls. The landfill filed an Article 78 proceeding, claiming that the town did not follow the state environmental quality review process when they adopted the law. 
Seneca Meadows claims that the town did not take a, quote, hard look at the environmental impacts of closing the landfill by 2025. Additionally, Seneca Meadows claims that the town board members were biased against the landfill. The landfill challenged the, the validity of the law, essentially filed an Article 78 saying that, you know, that the seeker process wasn't followed properly. You know, there's a variety of things. So they challenged it in court. It's still in court. So who did the landfill sue? They sued the town of Seneca Falls for passing this law, and they, they said it wasn't passed properly. The current board, which I sit on, decided that they don't want to defend Seneca Falls. So although it's still in court, the town isn't defending itself. We aren't paying for any legal representation. There are some other parties that enjoined in the lawsuit, so there is some legal representation to try and block Seneca Meadows' efforts to uh, overturn the law, but that's that's still in play now. So there's still a lot of moving parts going on. 2025 is coming. According to Finger Lakes Times reporting, New York State Supreme Court Judge Dan Doyle is reviewing records from the town board meeting that established Local Law 3 in 2016. He will determine if the law should be repealed. Make sure to tune in to part two of this story where we will continue our conversation with activists and community members and look into the potential environmental harm that improperly managed waste can cause. For WICB News, I'm Joshua Pantano. And I'm Caroline Grass. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear the show anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from manager of television and radio operations, Jerry Menard, WICB station manager, Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director George Christopher with assistance from News Production Director Liam McDermott, our Web Coordinator Inbayini Onbarasan, and Social Media Coordinator Chess Cabrera. All of the music from our show's intro and outro come from Dr. Dundriff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback? Story ideas? Just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by email. We'll be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. March 26th.